This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Pride of London podcast, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please welcome your hosts, Gabe Henderson and Travis Tyler. Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of the Pride of London podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and co-sided editor, Travis Tyler. And, you know, Travis, we're going to get right into it today. Uh, Unlike Chelsea yesterday, we're going to get right down to business. So, 1-0 win over Crystal Palace yesterday. What were some of your initial thoughts? Um, That the whole idea of our players getting rest is going to suddenly make us like this super amazing team is a myth. Like, obviously we had a whole lot of travel going on anyway, but even still, like we had all that rest before Plymouth and we didn't do really well. We had rest before the club broke up and didn't really do very well. And we had rest before this one and didn't do very well. Like obviously there's outside factors, but having all this time off has not helped us. So To me, it's good that we got a lot of games out of the way already rather than, you know, postponing them because I'm not convinced we would have been any better. Um, Tuchel made some really weird decisions with this game, notably like Kai Havertz out on the wing and Christian Pulisic as like the 10. And that did not suit either player at all. Um, But he persisted with it. For some reason, and our attack was just incredibly flat. And I mean, we're still really shot shy. You know, we get right in front of goal, and someone's laying it off to somebody else to put it in. Like, no, just take the shot. Um, but you know, Crystal Palace didn't really threaten us at all. And I mean, it did really look like it was going to be a zero-zero, and that would have been fair until Hakeem Ziyech was able to put it in the back of the net and he had to have, do it twice really. But yeah, overall just, it's just not good enough right now, but hopefully because we don't have this break before Lil, we'll just pick it right up and be able to actually do something with, you know, some match fitness in our, in our boots. I think one of the most important things that you mentioned there was that it, almost deserved to be a nil-nil draw. And if it weren't for the brilliance of Ziyech, then it would have been. And I, like I, like you said, and I'm going to agree with you, I think that would have been fair. Crystal Palace, I think, had the better of the chances throughout the game with Zaha coming close a few times. I mean, unless we look at that Conte chance, which really was the best opportunity of the game, but Crystal Palace played well on the counter they really didn't have to do anything special to stop us because like you said anytime we get into the box we look to dump it off um i'm amazed that christian Pulisic played 90 minutes i thought he was atrocious yesterday basically anytime we had an attack formulating he was the reason that things broke down whether it would be a bad pass he couldn't control a ball he was dispossessed he was just really out of his element and maybe you're right maybe we would have seen something different if he was on the left wing and Havertz as the number 10 I yeah I really don't know it, it just it didn't look good and while I say that I don't know how he made it through an entire match 
I will say on that note that Thomas Tuchel's substitutions yesterday were spot on. And I think that's important. You know, maybe it's easy in hindsight to go back and look at the team sheet and be a little nitpicky, but I I think at least if nothing else, you got a substitutions right yesterday and it ended up winning us the game. I don't know if it was like necessarily the subs being right or just like that we made three at once and it was just such a drastic change that it, you know, Crystal Palace weren't able to wrap their heads around it quickly enough. Um, I do think it helped have Marcus Alonso on that flank actually stretching the field um, because Alongsar, even when he was stretching it, like that is really not what he's good at at all. Like he looked really awkward with it. You know, Kai Havertz was stretching it, but, you know, he's not a winger, at least not a left winger. And all he was doing out on the wing was really hiding. And when he did get the ball, he you know, played it very safely, didn't do anything crazy with it. Uh, Mateo Kovacic, that was a good sub because he's actually trying to play the ball forward, which, you know, Georgino and Conte can do, but then you have Pulisic ahead of them, and he's just so sloppy when he gets the ball in the center. Like, he can't hide his, like, heavy touch and everything else that he does normally on the wing. He can't hide that in the center in the same way, and it really stood out. Um, Yeah, I mean, Loftus-Cheek was there. I don't really – I'm not really trying to make Loftus Cheek a thing. I think his time has kind of gone up. I don't believe this whole Thomas Tuchel likes him thing when he's only played like one game this calendar year. But, you know, I think the main thing is we just made so many subs at once that it just changed our dynamic so quickly that Crystal Palace just weren't able to react. And I do think it helped that like Kovacic's probably first touch was that threw a ball to Lukaku, even if it was offside, but, that gave us the confidence, like, hey, we can put it in the back of the net if we need to. Now let's actually do it where it counts. So that's one thing I wanted to get into. Um, Lukaku, to say he struggled yesterday was an understatement. He had seven touches in total. Obviously, we're not going to sit here and pretend like we know the answer because it's obvious that nobody really knows the answer or else someone would have figured it out by now. But what do you think the key is to getting Lukaku firing? Because I think first and foremost, it starts with Mateo Kovacic being on the pitch. Yeah. I mean, actually passing to him goes a long way. Like we can talk all about how like uninvolved he is, but how often do we actually try to get him the ball? It's very, very infrequently. And, you know, the very first pass Kovacic made was to Lukaku and yeah, he was offside, but he was able to create a shot and that shot led to a goal. And if that weren't, if if like more players were just willing to pass Lukaku instead of ignore him, like we could get more opportunities like that. Like, yeah, I understand the whole like, yeah, he needs to be involved more, but he is involved. He's holding those center backs in place. And that's why Ziyech is able to have so much space and look so good. That's why Kai Havertz is able to get space and look good because Lukaku's there pinning the defense. And, you know, Lukaku started 10 games in a row now. The last game he didn't start was the Liverpool game he was punished for because of the interview. Like, he's doing exactly what Thomas Tuchel is asking him to do. There's no way Thomas Tuchel is going to start a player 10 games in a row if he's not doing exactly what he's been told to do. Like, we, we can talk all we want about, like, how much more involved Lukaku needs to be or how Kai Havertz would be better or how Tuchel doesn't want Lukaku. But, like, this is the evidence. 10 games in a row, 
of Lukaku. Now we just need to actually play him, like play to him, and maybe he can actually come out of his show a little bit. But as long as we're avoiding him, we're going to continue like we are. And, you know, maybe part of that is the interview fallout. Like the players just don't trust him like they used to. Maybe that's part of it. But that's really hard to say, you know, long term unless someone comes out and says something. Yeah, and one thing that's kind of say annoyed me over the last few days is, you know, people are saying, oh, Lukaku's lazy. He needs to drop deep and pick up the ball. He's not Harry Kane. Harry Kane is much more versatile as a forward than Romelu Lukaku is. And I get it. Lukaku's first touch isn't the best, but his hold-up play is excellent. And he plays really well with his back to goal. And even if, you know, he gives the ball away a few times, get the ball to him. Get the ball to his feet. Get something working in attack. I've always said that the most important thing to do, especially against teams that are playing in a low block or just sitting back and defending for a lot of the game like Crystal Palace did yesterday, movement in the final third. That's the most important thing. And Chelsea's notorious for just kicking the ball around the back line with nobody moving in front of them. And it it just looks effortless in all the wrong ways you know it it looks like no one's trying to even get the ball moving and that's why you don't have any of these guys who are willing to shoot because they don't feel like they have the opportunity in the looks because no one's stretching the defense and no one's pulling center backs out and i think that's really important but like you said we really do need to get lukaku the ball and it starts for me first and foremost with Mateo Kovacic because he's the one guy that we have that's willing to get him the ball and, you know, say what you will about Lukaku this season. He's got 10 goals, but I, I honestly think if it, if the season ended today, Mateo Kovacic gets my vote for the most important player. Yeah, I mean, I can't really think of anyone else that would come close, like Mason Mount because of his goals and assists combined. But Tiago Silva, maybe. Yeah, Tiago Silva because he's been holding us together at the back almost alone. Um, Yeah, I mean, one of those three I'd be good with. Mount, I think the thing holding him back the most is even with the goals and assists, he just hasn't been as influential as Kovacic has been overall. So. Yeah, pretty much just Kovacic. Unless like Reese James or Ben Chilwell come back and we just completely change how we've been playing all of a sudden. I do think James will help in that sense a little bit. I think he plays a little more direct, especially when going forward. So I think he'll his inclusion in the team will help out Lukaku because we saw from the first game at Arsenal that Reese James and Lukaku play well together. Um, just kind of going bigger picture again, though, you know, Regardless of the time the team has had off, the time they've had to prepare for each game, I feel like Plymouth, Al-Hilal, Palmeiras, and Crystal Palace, all of these games have just felt like an extension of the winner games, which is worrying in a sense because the only team that we've been able to look good against has really been Tottenham. But the fact of the matter is, is we're winning these games. So I, I, I just don't know. It, it's 
it's still worrying in a sense, but you know, in the back of my mind, I'm just thinking at least we're getting three points. Yeah. I mean, and it's always at Chelsea been about getting the result over everything rather than, you know, looking pretty while you get it. But at the same time, like it doesn't really inspire a whole lot of confidence going forward into the season when, you know, for like three months now we've been playing pretty poorly. Like Juventus was the highlight. And then we had the Spurs games since then. And other than that, like it's been a struggle. Um, I think a part of it is Tuchel was so hesitant to break away from three at the back when Chilwell and James were out because we really didn't have the players to fill in their roles for what we did with that formation. Um, but then, then when we're playing four at the back, like we really need, we still need players that are stretching the field left and right. And Hakeem Ziyech has got the right lockdown. Like that's all his, but we haven't quite figured out consistently who we want on the left. Like honestly, Hudson Odoi is the only one that's kind of turned up there. And even still, like he'll play badly for like 89 minutes of a game. And then in that other minute, he'll get a goal or an assist and put us ahead. Like it's really tricky how we're doing it. And like, I mean, I mentioned it earlier. Like, I don't know why Kai Harvards was out there on the left wing yesterday. Like he was, he wasn't more of a ghost than usual, but like he can really hide out there in ways that he shouldn't be hiding. So I don't know. I don't know if it's like Tuchel is just kind of like really hesitant of trusting some players in some roles or just hesitant of trusting some players at all. Like, like Timo Werner's barely played for months now. You know, Kai Havertz is finally getting back in, but he's being played in really awkward ways compared to normal even. And, like, if Mason Mount was fit, would Kai have started at all? Like, it's really hard to tell. So, hopefully, you know, just now that we've kind of, like, figured out, like, yeah, we need to be doing four of the back right now, hopefully we kind of figure out how to make that work a little better than it has been. And that'll get us where we need to be. Like, I, th- I think this little game is going to be really important uh, just because, like, obviously we're the Champions League title holders, but we also have the League Cup final coming up. And, I mean, we really just need to, like, come out of our shells again and, like, be like we were at the start of the season or even last year where, like, any big team we played, we had control of. And this year, it's just been much, much harder to continue to have control of games in the way that we used to. I like to think of Kai Havertz on the left more as a consistent piece in attack, because the one thing that we've mentioned and just about everyone under the sun has mentioned is the fact that Chelsea's front three needs some chemistry before anything else. So I'd like to think that Thomas Tuchel's playing him there to keep the consistency and reward he and Lukaku for that partnership and, you know, having trust in each other. I I hope we're building on that. And ideally, I I think if Mason Mount was fit for this game, I don't think Pulisic starts. I think Mason Mount starts the number 10. And I honestly think that might be our best attack with uh, Havertz on the left, Mount through the middle, Ziyech on the right. And Lukaku, obviously, at center forward, just because, you know, it's we kind of get that 4-1-4-1 vibe. And I know we were up 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 yesterday, whatever you want to call it. But I just think 
yeah, like I said, I'd like to think that that's why he's playing and it's not Tuchel being void of ideas. So I actually have a little bit different outlook on Havertz's game yesterday. I know you and I talked about this. He wasn't great, but I think for large parts of the game, he was probably our best attacker, which obviously is not the greatest achievement. He was the least worst, I guess I could say. I thought some of the runs he made were really encouraging. And, you know, with Mount through the middle, and I don't know why that he, Thomas Tuchel didn't do this with Pulisic either. With Mount in the middle, you get that flexibility, you know, like when we saw um, Mount and Ziyech rotating freely against Spurs and giving the defense different looks, you could do that with Mount and Havertz as well. And like I said, I, I don't know why they didn't try it yesterday. But... <sighs> They just, I mean, maybe Tuchel was encouraged by the runs and maybe he just wants to get Pulisic on the ball as much as he can. You know, it's one of those things where we'll get him the ball so many times and maybe finally he'll find his form. But yeah, that's my outlook on on the whole attack situation in Havertz. But like we said Ziyech rescued us yesterday, and I think he's really stepped up in this back four, and he's become a really important player for Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, back four has definitely awoken the Hakeem Ziyech that we had back in the earlier days of Lampard. Um, and and I'm, I think the main part of it is, like, when you're playing with just three attackers like we do with our 3-4-3 or 3-5-2, um, like you have less players, so they they all have to pick up like more of the weight. They all have more roles that they need to play in the game. But when you're playing four at the back, you also kind of have four attackers. So those four spread those roles out more. And that allows the edge to do more of what he is comfortable doing. And it's definitely improved him a lot. Like I think he was the best attacker yesterday. And we really get a lot out of not only his like passes, but he's just really good at running into that far post and putting the ball in the net when he has to. And, you know, Pulisic was good at that too under Lampard, which is why it's, it just continues to be really weird to me that Pulisic played in the center and Kai Havertz played on the wing. Like, I, I don't know why Tuchel did that. I don't know what he saw in Pulisic in like the club world cup final or what happened that made him think like, yeah, let me put Pulisic in the center and Kai out wide, like, I would have swapped those two almost immediately. And I think that alone would have had us looking much better than we were. But, yeah, I mean, we're just constantly trying to find attacking solutions because we've never really had them under Tuchel. Like, our wingbacks have been the ones carrying us or our defenders or set pieces. And, like, Georgina was our highest score before. So it, it's just a really awkward situation where you have this you know, superstar striker that you paid a ton for that we never passed to, and he his scoring isn't what it needs to be. You have another superstar player you paid a ton for from Germany, and he's put out on the wing where he can just kind of hide, and he just sorts of hides in general. You have Pulisic, who just hasn't been the player he used to be before all his injury issues. Ziyech is turning up. Mason Mount's out right now, but, you know, he's able to turn up when he needs to. Uh, Hudson Odoi, like I said, 89 minutes of playing poorly and then that one minute where he gets the goal or the assist. And then Timo Werner, who's just kind of disappeared when we weren't looking, 
So it's like we talk about like having a reshuffle this summer in the attackers. It's because of that. It's because like none of them make any sense with what they're doing right now. And we just can't figure out a combination that works consistently over time. So going off that, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here. If you had to choose fully healthy Chelsea team right now, what formation do you think would be the best to get the best out of not only the attack, but the entire team? Um, I would, I would honestly probably just stick with four at the back for now. Um, Reese James and Ben Chilwell at fullback, Rudiger and Silva at center back, Mindy and goal, obviously. Uh, Lukaku's going to start. I, I'm not crazy about Kai Havertz, you know, but I'd start him as a 10 or like an attacking eight or whatever. Um, Mason Mount ZH and then two out of Conte, Giorgino, and Kovacic, depending on who we're playing. Like, I'd probably start Kovacic every game. So, really, just pick between Giorgino and Conte, depending on like how much possession we're going to have or like how countering we need to be and go from there. That's about where I'm at, too. And, you make an interesting point about the midfield there. I, the one thing I think Tuco got wrong yesterday was the midfield. I don't think Conte played poorly, but I would have liked to see Mateo Kovacic start over Jorginho just because I thought Jorginho got eaten up in the midfield. And it was one of the rare occurrences where that happens. You know, I just don't think that a Conte Kovacic midfield is necessarily doable, especially when you have Conte playing in the role he did yesterday. So it continues to be a game-by-game thing. But yeah, like you mentioned earlier, I've completely forgotten about Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And I love Ruben Loftus-Cheek as a person and as a player, but he's his injuries, and it's been little injuries. It's not been anything big. It's just been these nagging injuries this season that have kept him out of the team largely. And he doesn't have as big a role as everyone thought he would. You know, I I don't even think it's a stretch to say that Ross Barkley's played a bigger part than him this season. But yeah, I'm I'm at the same place you are with him. I think the midfield is probably the area where we see the biggest shuffle, just because we've got so many bodies like Ross Barkley and Ruben Loftus Cheek there. But um, for I. I guess we'll get into it when we get to Lille, but I just, I think the Jorginho Kovacic midfield is the way to go going forward. And I keep thinking about that, but one of the other weird positions yesterday, just before we, we wrap up the talk about crystal palace, one of the other weird things in Tuchel's 11 that actually worked because all of us were sitting here pregame trying to figure out the formation Andreas Christensen is a right back and Malang Sar is a left back. And I know we've seen Malang Sar play left back before. And, you know, we've seen Christensen play as a right center back, but we really haven't seen him play as a right back. I thought both of them were pretty good yesterday. What, what, what did you make of their performances? I know you touched on Sar a little bit earlier, but just going back to it as a whole, what did you think of each of them in those respective positions? Yeah, I, I think they were good until they decided they wanted to overlap like actual fullbacks. And then it was pretty clear that they're not actually fullbacks. Like 
it's not it's a very German kind of idea to have four center backs and a back four. Like that's how they won the World Cup is four center backs and a back four. And that frees up everyone ahead of you a lot, which is why I found it really weird. Like, okay, Malongs are still overlapping. Christensen is overlapping. And like it was very clear they're just terrible at it. Like they cannot play that cross in that they need to play in. And you know, Saar was getting caught like through dribbles pretty frequently, and it was Rudiger was able to bail him out. So it wasn't too big of an issue, but yeah, when when they're like staying back or like kind of close to the actual two center backs, I think they're fine. But they really don't need to be pushing forward and doing anything more than that. Um, I don't mind a four at the back with four center backs in that kind of situation. But we really do need those players that are stretching the field either way. So Saar and Christensen don't have to come forward to stretch the field. I actually thought Christensen was pretty good going forward. I thought some of the crosses he put in were really good. Uh, the one problem I did have, and like you just said a little bit, they, they were both getting forward a lot, which I don't really want to see when you've got the four center backs back there in a back four. I'm okay with Christensen maybe doing it, but Saar, I think Saar, if he's going to do anything going forward because his passing and distribution isn't the best and he's not the best with the ball at his feet. I think he should do kind of what Ben Chilwell has started to do in this team under Thomas Tuchel. And that's, you know, when he makes runs forward, he doesn't always bomb down the left side. He'll tuck into that midfield. And when Saar did that yesterday, we saw him play that beautiful pass. I Was it to Conte? Was, was he the one who set up that Conte chance? I'm I think, I think it was so. him. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like I said earlier, probably our best chance of the game before the goal. So, I don't think Sar's awful in that department. I just don't want to see him going forward and putting crosses in down the left wing. He's just he's not good enough in possession to have that interplay with Kai Havertz. His crosses aren't good enough to be doing that, and it leaves a hole at the back, which thankfully Antonio Rudiger was there to cover for. But, you know, those are little things. Those are nitpicky critiques that we have in their game. I thought overall they were they were decent, and I get it. It's Crystal Palace, but, I mean, the name of the game this season has been finding the depth, and with Chilwell out, and with Reese James still sidelined with his injury, and I think Thomas Tuchel said it'd be another week or something. They're maybe aiming to have him back by the cup final. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I, I think cover is important, especially with guys in their 30s like Alonzo and Espiliqueta. So if we are going to continue to play this back four, I think Saar and Christensen are going to be huge going forward. Yeah. The, I mean, the only thing I would maybe do is like, consider Rudiger for that left back spot and put Christensen in his spot or like something along those lines. Cause Rudiger's decent at going forward because he wants to take a shot at least once a game. I don't know if he's got a bet or what he's doing, but that would be one side of it. Osvili Quetta, I think is going to continue on the right when he's fit. I don't think we're going to see Christensen there too much. And with James coming back, I think it'll be between Osby and James a lot. So, yeah, that's the only point I would add is just maybe give Rudiger a run out of that left left back spot. No one can see me doing air quotes because we're on a pod. But 
Yeah, I just think it's really important to have that that cover in the team. You know, emergency. If Aspi goes down, if Reese James suffers another injury, we have that emergency option. So, and you know, lest we forget, we also have Kennedy for that left back spot. We've tried him at just about every other position on the left. Why not? Why not throw him out there? But um, on just a quick note on the Rudiger thing before we do jump into the ad break and conclude our talk on Crystal Palace. One of these days, we've been saying it, one of these days, Rudiger's going to connect with that shot. Yesterday could have been that day. Guaita made a great save, but that was probably the best long-range Rudiger shot we've seen to date. So we're getting closer. It's going to happen. So like I mentioned, we're just going to take a quick ad break, stick with us, and on the other side, we will preview the upcoming Champions League match against Lille. Alrighty, guys. So Chelsea kicks off its Champions League knockout around the fence with the round of 16 first leg at Stamford Bridge on Tuesday against Lille. So obviously this is the draw we wanted. I'm not confident going in given our recent form, but Travis, how are you feeling about this game? I mean, I feel pretty good about it because Lille's definitely not as good as they were last year. They're all the way down in 11th currently. Um, I mean, PSG absolutely battered them. They're barely scoring. They haven't scored more than two goals a game since January 19th. Like, they're there for the taking, which probably means we'll win like 1-0 or draw 0-0. But, you know, we seem to kind of turn up more in these cups than we have been in the league because – Realistically, what are we playing for in the league? Like top four is pretty secure unless like something terrible happens. We're not going to catch up to Manchester City. Like that's just a pipe dream. And then second to fourth, like who cares where we finish second to fourth? It doesn't matter. They're all going to get to the Champions League. And other than that, you're just behind the champion. So I think we'll turn up simply because it is like a cup competition and we are the title holders. Like last time we won the Champions League, we blew, we blew it pretty hard. But you know, this is a pretty easy round of 16 opponent, all things considered. We know them from last year. We shouldn't struggle, but we probably will. But overall, I think we'll more or less comfortably get it get through. Yeah, I think this Lille team is a bit different than the one we saw two years ago. I think it was the, I think it was Lampard's first year when they were in our group. Um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, we had no, we had Ren last year. That's yeah, that's who was in our group. That's the French team. Um, but yeah, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Lille has really struggled this year, and it's not the same team. There are still a lot of dangerous players in that team, and players who are capable of putting in really good shifts. We saw what happens when teams underestimate their opponents in the champions league though with Bayern Munich the other day. And I really just don't want to see that happen to Chelsea. Luckily, like you mentioned, Chelsea is built for runs in tournaments and we've really, we we've done well in all the tournaments we've played in this year, despite all our struggles, we're in the Carabao cup final we won the Club World Cup. I know the Super Cup isn't a tournament, but we won. Um, 
And here we are in the round of 16 in the Champions League, and we've made it as far as we can thus far in the FA Cup as well. So it's really hard to count this team out despite how poorly they're playing just because of the fact that it's a tournament and Thomas Tuchel's style is built for this. So I think it's going to be really intriguing, though, to see how these teams play and how they approach these games. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if Lille sits back just because of the away goal rule being done away with. And, you know, they might just sit back and do damage control like Real Madrid did at the Parc de France the other day against PSG. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how they play anyway is, you know, defending really tightly and countering. But you were mentioning, like, we're kind of built for tournaments and all that. Like, I wouldn't be all that surprised to see us go three at the back for this one because that does seem to be, like, the formation we go back to when uh, I guess things are more on the line comparatively. Like like I mentioned, like, the league's gone. So, you know, if we're playing around before the back in the league – that's that's one thing, but when we're in the Champions League or the League Cup or the FA Cup and we've got to get the win on that day, yeah, I can kind of see us going back to three at the back and, you know, what got us there in the first place. So it'll be interesting because Lil do kind of sit back. They do defend really narrowly, so we will need width. But like I mentioned a lot on the other half of the pod, we, we were really struggling with finding the right players on the field to create with when James and Joel are injured. Like we have Hudson Odoi, Pulisic, Ziyech, and, you know, half the time those guys aren't even in comfortable positions to create with. So we'll just have to wait and see what we decide to do. Yeah, it'll be really intriguing. I don't know if we'll necessarily play a back three. It's an intriguing question because, like you said, that's our tournament go-to is a three at the back but at the same time it's no secret what Lille's going to do that you just talked about how they usually play sitting back and you know coming on the road in the Champions League in the first leg of the round of 16 match it's a given essentially so I don't know if we can justify playing a back three considering the fact that that takes an attacker away it might give us more width with guys like Alonso and Azpilicueta on the wing. Uh, just wing backs. Let me clarify. I would love to see Alonso on the left wing just for what it's worth. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily worth it to go a back three because you lose that attacker. I would like to see us line up in the four, one, four, one that we saw, even though we're going to be without some of our key players. Yeah, I mean, it really it depends a lot on who comes back fit in time, what we end up doing. You know, if Osbilly Quetz is still out, that's that's an issue for you know multiple different reasons. But you know, overall, I kind of think it's going to be a really similar lineup to what we saw against Crystal Palace, and it, I, I can't imagine too many changes for it. And even with Liverpool coming down the pipeline. I I kind of expect that to be another similar lineup. Like, I really just think we're going to be pretty consistent over these games. I think the only saving grace for the Liverpool game might be the fitness of Mount and James. I know Mount's going to try and come back for that. But just backpedaling real quick to the still on the Lille game, how do you think 
Chelsea's going to cope without Mount in this game. Do you think it'll be any different than Crystal Palace? I know you just said the formation will probably be the same. Well, I don't know if the formation will be the same. I think the players will be pretty similar. Like we'll make like maybe a change or two, but nothing more. Um, yeah, I mean, no Mount. I would assume we'll still have Ziyech and Kai Havertz and. Ballistic is just a toss up in the air. Like, I really don't want to see him central again. And I really don't want to see Kai wide again. Like, I wouldn't mind if both started and just swap places. But I don't know. Tuchel does some really weird things half the time that I just can't figure out. But we win anyway. So until we start losing, I can't really complain too heavily about his just absolutely baffling decision making. So. I guess my other question is, do you think that's the best way to cope without Mount? Or do you think there are other ways that we could cope with his absence? And that relates to his contributions going forward, um, his pressing abilities, and his just overall playmaking ability. Yeah, I mean, no Mount. So he is our more or less our best presser. Normally, we kind of press in like this 3-1 shape. So... Yeah, it just really, it really depends. Like, I would have Kovacic, and he's normally one of those pressing up into the three, even if we're playing four at the back. So, I don't know. I, the, honestly, the only player I would really consider dropping, even though I'm not, like, super impressed with Havertz, is Pulisic. And, you know, just put Kovacic in his spot. Like, not necessarily as a 10. Maybe he could be, like, an eight or whatever. But I think Kovacic would be able to do what Pulisic was supposed to be doing against Palace much better. I would like to see dual eights as opposed to just Kovacic as the lone player there. I think Kovacic has to be involved. We talked about that earlier, and I think that is really important in this game against a low block because Lukaku is going to start and he's going to be really pivotal to breaking them down. But yeah, I would like to see someone up there next to Kovacic, and I think the only realistic option would be Kai Havertz, but you know, that takes him away for further away on the pitch from Lukaku. So I don't really, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we'll see the return of the four, one, four, one with Kovacic and Havertz as dual eights. And then we'll sit Jorginho deep with Hudson, Adoy, Ziyech and Lukaku up front. That's probably what I would go with. I think that gives us the best shot to win, not only against Lille, but also against Liverpool with Mason Mount out. But yeah, you, you really just never know. Um, <laughs> never know what Tuchel's going to do. Like you said, he makes some baffling decisions. But at the end of the day, it's producing results more or less. And he's the one who gets paid the big bucks. So we can sit here and question him. But if it's working, nothing we can really say. I mean, it almost seems like Tuchel's come to like have he has like six or seven players that he's like always going to start. And then after that, everything's just kind of, you know, who fits the opponent that we're playing today. And given Lil is going to sit back and they do defend in a 4-4-2, we can kind of do almost any of our normal formations and be okay with it because we'll have control of the game. The main thing is just how are we going to deal with counters? And we deal better with counters when we're doing three at the back or if N'Golo Conte is there. So – you know, Conte may not be like a natural eight or whatever, but he makes some really good runs. The only 
really the only negative is when he takes a shot, usually it's not like a super great shot or he just tries to get someone else to do the shot. So we'll just have to play around with it. But I don't think Lil is going to cause us a lot of problems no matter who we end up playing or who we end up starting. It's just can we get enough done in this first leg and then have enough in the tank for Liverpool and just keep moving on from there? Yeah, that's that's important to note is I, like you said, you don't think Leo will cause us much trouble, and I think that's especially the case at home. I am, like we talked about earlier, really intrigued to see how they're going to approach this, but I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. We, we all know, but, um, you know, it is interesting. Would you start Malang Sar because of his defensive abilities against the counter? in either a back three or a back four, or do you think Alonso is going to be the smart choice for this match? If we're doing a back four, I would start Saar. If we're doing a back three, I'd put Alonso in there. Um, just because Alonso is going to be more comfortable in that back three, stretching things. And then for whatever reason, Tuchel, well, I know why. He doesn't want like those overlapping fullbacks in that back four in the same way. And, Alonzo really wants to get like towards the box in the box. So I think that would be the main difference. Like I said, I kind of think we're going to do a back three. So it would probably be Alonzo there if I had to guess. And then assuming as he's back, you'd have Rudiger Silva Christensen or maybe even a surprise Chalaba appearance. Yeah. Yeah. Either or. Cause I really don't think we're going to see like Hudson Odoi wing back. I think it'll be. Osby out there if we are doing three of the back. So probably Chalaba. Um, just because I kind of think Tuchel favors him a little more than Christensen at the moment, but we'll see. I also think we could see a surprise Tiago Silva bench appearance, you know, because we've got Liverpool coming up, and I think that's a much more important game, as odd as that sounds to say about a Champions League knockout round. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see st- to see Sar at left center back, perhaps, and then Rudiger through the middle, and either Chalaber or Christensen on the right. That, that's just a thought that occurred in my head, and I thought I'd say it. So, but obviously, you know, if Tiago Silva is good to go, then Tiago Silva has to be there. He's been, as we alluded to earlier, one of our players of the season. So, yeah, do you have? Just any more thoughts on the Leo match, our formation, any of that? All right. Then I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, Hopefully, we will come back for next episode with a comfortable lead in the Champions League round of 16. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you like the episode, make sure to let us know on social media. You can interact with us at the pride of london on facebook we are at pride o london on twitter make sure to read all of our articles on the pride of london.com we've got great content coming to you daily match previews opinion articles news match reviews everything under the sun so um then you can interact with me on twitter at gabe h sports and you can find me at trafficle So thank you everybody for listening and be sure to tune in next week.